everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Are You Kidding Me? I'm Naomi Schaefer Riley, a resident fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. And I am Ian Rowe, also a resident fellow of American Enterprise Institute. And we typically have a guest that we would interview. And today we have the pleasure of our guest being our own Naomi Schaefer Riley, who has written a fantastic piece in Education Next. It's entitled, Exam School Admissions Come Under Pressure Amid the Pandemic. And, you know, being a school leader in New York, the content of the story is very relevant to me because just two years ago, Stuyvesant High School, which is considered one of the best high schools in the country, in New York, it's referred to as a specialized high school. You've got to take a test to get in. In 2019, 895 students were admitted into Stuyvesant, all based on this particular exam, and only seven of these students were Black. Now, Naomi, a lot of people look at that data and say, see, that's proof of racism. It's a racist exam, so we need to change the criteria for how kids get into this school if we really want to have an equitable society. So you've written about not only New York, San Francisco, Boston, all over the country, these kinds of results that show an undesirable racial imbalance, say, is causing a whole new set of desired policies. So tell us a little bit, bit about it. And full disclosure, I, Ian Rowe, I am a graduate of one of these notorious <laughs> specialized high schools, Brooklyn Tech. I'm a proud engineer. All right. Well, we'll have to see how long Brooklyn Tech and Stuyvesant and these other schools are allowed to keep their exam entrance policies because popular opinion is not behind them in many ways. And certainly the opinion of the education leadership establishment is not behind them. So, you know, you point to these numbers and frankly, you know, these numbers are very stark across the country. I was, you know, looking at San Francisco, Thomas Jefferson High School, which is in the suburbs of Virginia and Boston. So we should say, first of all, that these schools actually have quite a bit of quote unquote racial diversity. It's just not the popular kind right now. Many of these schools are overwhelmingly Asian. That includes South Asian, Chinese, and many of them are. Those are, uh, those are kids of color, right? <laughs> well, it depends. It depends. <laughs> depends on what color you're looking for, I guess. Oh, I see. Okay. But interestingly, you know, Stuyvesant and Brooklyn Tech and Bronx Science are some of the only schools left in the country where admissions is based purely on an exam, which is that you go in, you take the same test as everyone else. There's no interviews. There's no who you know. There's no grades question. There's no portfolio to show. It is just based on your score on this one exam. And so it is definitely a high stakes test. So what is happening? Is this test racist? I think what we're seeing, frankly, is the test is showing us not the cause of the problem, but the effect. We're seeing, you know, in New York, as in every other major city in the country, there is a huge racial gap in academic achievement. And by the time kids get to eighth grade, when they take these exams, that gap is so large that the numbers are presenting the way they are. It is impossible to get around that fact. Black and Hispanic kids in, in New York City and in San Francisco and, you know, around the country are technically in lower performing schools, often completely failing schools, frankly. And to expect them to then go sit and take an exam, which really is designed to measure not just how you're doing, but whether you could perform well above your grade level, I think is completely unfair. And it, and it suggests that we need to be working on this problem unfair? much earlier. Wait, it's unfair? 
Well, it's, it's unfair to expect that kids who we are not serving well will perform well on this test. That doesn't mean we should eliminate the test. It means that the solution is trying to get these kids the best education we can much earlier on in the process. Right. That's a very important distinction because it's not, it's not the test itself that's unfair. The unfairness is putting kids who've been underserved kindergarten through eight into this situation. So, but let me ask you a question. So of the 895 kids that got into Stuyvesant, seven were black. Is the argument that the 888, the majority of those students didn't deserve to be there, that they were unqualified? Is anyone arguing that? It's not clear that that's the argument so much as that we're somehow measuring the wrong things. We should be measuring the whole child. We should be looking at the context that they grew up in. We should be looking at the hardships that they endured. And by the way, if you did look that way, you might be surprised to know that a significant, I think more than half of the kids who are going to these schools are actually would qualify for free or reduced lunch. Much of the city, at least in New York, the Asian population in New York City, and this is also true in San Francisco and Boston, is actually quite poor. And so these are not parents. This is another you know, myth that you hear about these exam schools. These are not parents who are paying lots of money for tutors to train their kids to do well on these tests. I talked to a number of these parents. They're literally, you know, they will have their kid go to the library, not even buy the book to study for the exam, but go to the library to take out the book with the practice exams. And then if they're paying for anyone, it's literally just some kind of after school, you watch my kid while he does his homework kind of program. So it's not money that is allowing these kids to succeed. It is simply, you know, the immigrant work ethic. And of course, a significant number of the black kids who end up doing very well, who get into these schools and doing very well after they graduate are, of course, African immigrants. But Naomi, you know, these folks who are opposed to the the admission criteria, they're treating this like a zero sum game that in order for more black kids to get in, they have to limit And it sounds like they have to limit another group of kids of color, which, as you just described, are mostly low-income Asian kids. Like, What's the defense of that? How would they defend that argument? Well, I would say, first of all, it is a zero-sum game. I mean, part of the problem, I think, with these gifted schools, and if you talk to people who live in these areas, the question is, why aren't there more of these schools? Why why is there such a limited number of spots in schools that are serving high-achieving kids? New York has a million kids in New York City. Why are we not having many more of these schools? And frankly, under the Bloomberg administration, there was the addition of several other specialized schools that include the exams, but also include other criteria for judging kids. Unfortunately, it's only the exam schools in New York City that are going to be protected by a law from Albany that requires them to maintain their exams unless that's overturned. And that may well be the case, given who is in the legislature in Albany now. But these other schools, I think the mayor and the school's chancellor, Richard Carranza, have clearly set their sights on these other schools. They are changing or eliminating gifted and talented programs for younger kids. And I think they would really like to see exams eliminated at those other specialized schools. But to, in order to sort of get, get at this question of you know, whether it's a zero-sum game, if you want to make sure that more, more Black kids are getting into these schools, you have two options. Either you need to prepare these kids better or you need to start restricting the number of Asian kids who can get into these schools. And that's actually what you're seeing now across the country. 
the first thing that happened is the Lowell School, which is the, the only gifted school in San Francisco, has basically just announced that its school is going to, the admissions are going to be determined by lottery now. Part of the, the reason for writing this piece and the reason that so much of this is happening now is that because of COVID, many of these districts had closed their schools completely. And so they said they didn't you know, have a way for students to take a test. Now, I think this By is- By the way, is kind of, that's kind of an are you kidding me? Come on. <laughs> that it was an are you kidding me moment. And many parents had exactly that reaction, which is, you know, they had kids who were taking the SATs and taking other exams in school buildings. Of course, private schools, Catholic schools were in person in learning. And so the idea that you couldn't find some way for the eighth graders, you know, to socially distance and take these exams was utterly absurd. But, you know, these advocates were willing to jump on any excuse in order to change the exam system, which they've been trying to do for years. And so what, what's happened now is that at Lowell, they basically decided we're going to do this by lottery. And at these other schools in Virginia, Thomas Jefferson High School, which is year after year, the top performing high school in America, and Boston Latin, also among the top performing, they have come up with these ridiculously complicated formulas for the application process. And at Thomas Jefferson is particularly outrageous. So they announced that they were now going to take kids. It was a complicated formula, but basically if you had like a 3.5 GPA, regardless of you know whether you took an exam, you were going to be eligible for admission and then they would do it by lottery after that. So a bunch of enterprising parents got together and they figured out that using this new system was actually going to boost the number of white kids at the school by like 30 or 40%. So in an effort to get more diversity and ensure you're going to have more black kids, this turned into affirmative action for white people. Oh my gosh. The law of unintended consequences. It's, I mean, it's just so ridiculous. I mean, and by the way, on your point about why aren't there more great high schools, again, full disclosure, in New York City, I am launching a brand new network of international baccalaureate high schools in 2022 in the heart of the South Bronx. Like it can be done. That's what's crazy to me. And, and as far as K to eight, what do you think the implication is of all of this on the idea of school choice? Because we have kids in elementary and middle schools that are forced to choose neighborhood schools where literally single digits of kids are reading at grade level. Parents have no ability to choose a different school. Doesn't all of this argue for more school choice K to eight? Absolutely. And if parents only wanted to decide about which school they sent their kids to K to eight based on the likelihood that their child would pass the exam to get into one of these high performing high schools, they would choose charter schools. Success Academies, which is the largest charter network in New York, actually has quite a good record of not only getting kids to pass this, but getting poor and minority kids to pass this. So it's not that it's impossible to teach these kids. And it's not impossible to show them how to do well on the exam either. But you need to start this process much younger than just the fall of eighth grade. In terms of the question of the effect on school choice, I think you're seeing all of these forces come together at once. And so right now we have kind of out there in this, the ether, the pressure on schools to reopen. You're seeing parents, middle-class parents. And, and that is really the real critical question for these urban school districts. Are you going to lose your whole middle class? Because if you cannot provide them with some reasonable educational option, they are going to leave. I mean, especially, you know, with high crime rates and businesses closed, like if you lose the schools too, these districts are done. And they're, in San Francisco- exercising their school choice. Absolutely. And so I think that there's so much pressure that's coming onto these districts now. 
which is weird. It's kind of the opposite of what these school boards expected. In a sense, I think a lot of these school boards, I mean, the San Francisco school board has become kind of infamous in recent weeks for, for just the insanity, like we have to rename schools that were named after Abraham Lincoln and that kind of stuff. And keep them closed. Yes, of course. Educate the kids in person. Let's just rename the buildings. That's productive. But these school boards, I think, thought that this was their chance to change the exam policies because they thought no one would be looking. They thought everyone was going to be so enmeshed in COVID and blah, 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 that they were just like going to sneak in their agenda. And if anything, this year has actually focused much more attention on school board policies. I would say school board meetings are being, you know, watched the way, you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime are these days. And so there's so much attention, not only on the political insanity that goes on in these district meetings. And by the way, like at least two of the district meetings that I was talking about, you had board members who were, you know, literally insulting Asians, you know, in one case using, you know, slurs to insult Asian Mm -hmm. parents. So they clearly thought that they were going to get away with this, their agenda, because no one was paying attention. But now everyone is paying attention. Well, good thing. And let me just say, you know, again, I, I went to Brooklyn Tech and when I went to Tech, there were a lot of black kids. It's just very interesting why that may have shifted. And again, I think it has much more to do with lack of high quality experiences in K-8 to more so than, you know, systemic racism or tests themselves that are unfair. But one thing that was always really important when I went to Tech, we all took the same exam to get there. There was never this perception that somehow you got in because of some other criteria. Once you remove admissions criteria, such as an objective exam that everyone takes at the same time, doesn't that create more opportunities for subjective and potentially racist practices? I think it does. And and you can actually see this already. Many exam schools in this country have a kind of hybrid policy where some of the kids are admitted strictly by exam, And some are admitted, you know, based a little more on their neighborhood and on their grades. Some even try to take account of, you know, difficult background circumstances. So what happens in those schools, you often get kids complaining about the way they're treated. If people start to assume that you're the kid who didn't get in on the merits, then I think there are a lot of tensions that arise and racial tensions are going to be among them. But yes, exactly. If you are keeping everyone to the same standard, Kids are kids and they're going to be, you know, mean about one thing or another, I have to say. But in this particular case, if you are putting a certain group of kids who everybody knows or assumes did not have to do the same things to get into that school, they're going to be treated differently and the atmosphere is not going to be pleasant. You and I started this podcast on the basic premise that there are instances where people put forth policies, maybe they have good intentions. But at the end of the day, it actually hurts the very kids that we're seeking to serve. So, Naomi, just wrap it up for us. What would be a much better set of interventions? So there are only seven black kids getting in at Stuyvesant out of 895. What's the right way to solve that problem for all kids? I think the right way to solve that problem is to make sure that we have high-performing K-8 to schools. And frankly, we have them. I mean, there are charter schools in in New York City. There are schools that are in Northern Virginia. There are schools that are in Boston that teach kids from all circumstances very well. 
And those kids end up doing well on the exam. And you don't need a further intervention. You need good elementary and middle schools to train these kids. And by the way, even once that happens, not every kid is going to pass these exams. We have to have some sense that there are kids performing at just different levels than other kids from all backgrounds. I mean, we don't want to have, you know, a class or a race of kids to be disadvantaged, but we also have to acknowledge that, you know, we all achieve at different levels. And these are schools that are specifically for kids who are achieving well above grade level and who have the kind of passion and drive and desire, in many cases, in a very particular set of subjects. I mean, if you are going to go to a school that is regularly sending kids who are the top Westinghouse scholars, or that name keeps changing, but top science and math scholars in the country, that's not going to be every kid in the country. And it's not going to be every kid in your district. And it's okay that that's the case. We also have to be willing to have a conversation about kids achieving at different levels. But if we want to make sure that kids from all backgrounds at least have the opportunity to achieve, then we have to redo and re-understand our sense of what works in K-8 through education. Excellent. Equality of opportunity, not equality of outcome. We cannot operate with that premise. I'd only throw in school choice amongst elementary and middle and more great high schools. It's not a zero-sum game. Absolutely. Well, I'm so thrilled to have been a guest and a host. (laughs) (laughs) You're not only the hair club president, you're a club. Yes, exactly. Well, this has been another episode of Are You Kidding Me? I am Naomi Schaefer-Riley. And I'm Ian Rowe. And you can find our podcast on the AEI website or wherever you get your podcasts. And we hope you'll contact us and listen in whenever you get a chance.